right, welcome to another episode of Out the Rabbit Hole here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. We're also on the web at KUCI.org. I'm Robert Larson. This is our July 23rd, 2009 edition of the show, 5.06 p.m. on the clock. Before we get into things, I will quickly remind you that the opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of the KUCI staff or management or the UC Board of Regents. And if you want to give me some feedback on the show, I always appreciate that. You can email me at rglarson at KUCI.org. You can also uh, catch me on MySpace. That's myspace.com slash outtherabbithole. Also on Facebook, facebook.com slash rglarson. So, yeah, that was some fun kind of goofy music there, which uh, will uh, be uh, uh, pertinent to our show today. So uh, we're going to have a fun and enchanting one. Back with us for, I think, about the third time, because he's always working on things goddamn interesting, and because (laughs) he's a good friend, is Greg Bishop. He is the author of two excellent books, Weird California, Your Travel Guide to California's Local Legends and Best Kept Secrets, and Project Beta, the story of Paul Benowitz, National Security, and the creation of a modern UFO myth. He is also a featured blogger at UFO Mystic, where he's always writing something funny and or provocative. Greg, welcome to the show. Hi, Robert. Thanks to be back. Yeah. Am I close enough to the mic there? Yeah, there we go. Yeah, you're getting a pretty good level there. Yeah, that was um, Girl from the Fourth Dimension by Sheldon Allman (laughs) from an album from the 1950s, late 1950s, called uh, Folk Songs for the 21st Century. So you are a collector of uh, odd songs, uh, odd songs generally, but in particular relating to things about UFOs and... Yeah, and the paranormal and things like that. Another one of my favorites is uh, Abominable Snow Creature, <laughs> which is apparently about the about the Yeti <laughs> by some guy that sounds like Elvis. We can play that later if you want. <laughs> okay, maybe we'll, we'll go with that. And so you, you actually had a little uh, blog about this on uh, UFO Mystic. Yeah, well, there's a section called Flying Saucer Music, and I've posted, I think, 35 songs up to now. And I have a weird music blog, actually, called Music Not Music. (laughs) And that has stuff like uh, music from uh, South American wrestling uh, shows. And, um, God, what else do I have on there? I have Robert Omelette on there. That's the first, uh, first entry on there. And um, a recording of a fountain filled with water that supposedly has LSD in it. Remember the LSD fountain from the uh, the drug exhibit at uh, at the Modern Muse- uh, Modern Art Museum in L.A. Remember that one? I know. I didn't. It was see called that. Altered States and something else. But anyway, it was a whole art exhibit based on um, psychedelic and other drugs. And uh, there was a fountain there made out of crystal. And the the uh, water in the fountain supposedly had LSD in it, but it had been uh, diluted down to homeopathic levels. Anyway, there's a recording of it, and I have <laughs> the record costs fifty dollars. And Sigrid, who's my wife now, whose birthday it is today, happy birthday, um, happy birthday, Sigrid, uh, encouraged me to split the cost with her. So for fifty dollars, I bought a recording of a fountain that supposedly had LSD in it, and it's only one side of the record, and it's like. I don't know, 12 minutes long, but that's posted online now at uh, Music Not Music. And they can find that at uh, ufomystic.com? Uh, I don't think there's a link to it on UFO Mystic. Just look up music slash not music. Okay. And 
but the, but you run that that's yes that's yeah. that's a music blog everybody has like 50 different sites but that's my music blog and then uh, my radio show radio mysterioso there's a site for that radio mysterioso.com and then of course like you said ufo mystic all right and uh, yeah and they can also uh find your books uh online purchase them if they would like uh, uh you've got another book too i i don't think i well, the other book is the the one that you're involved with, Robert. It, it was the collection of the Excluded Middle magazine that we did for many years, and it's called Wake Up Down There. Wake Up Down There. So, yeah, that in uh, Weird California and uh, Project Beta, the story of Paul Benowitz, National Security, and the creation of a modern UFO myth, which we talked about both of those books yeah. extensively. And, when uh, they came out. Yeah, so and we'll get into that a little bit today, but I want to talk about some more recent things you've done and... Uh, I, yeah, went and looked at UFO Mystic last night and read some of the things there and really got intrigued by one of your most uh, recent uh, posts, uh, Asemic Text Equals Alien Writing, question mark. Yeah. And uh, so uh, what is Asemic Writing? Asemic Writing is, uh, it's not really an art movement, but it's, uh, I guess, an art style where people create images of things that look like they could be languages, um, written languages, uh, but they're basically just design elements or subconscious squiggles or something like that, um, non-representational of anything except for possibly some sort of writing. And that intrigued me because uh, I met a guy who, uh, a psychologist in the early 90s, when we were in the mid-90s when we were working on Excluded Middle, named Mario Pozzaglini, who was a clinical psychologist. I think he worked mainly with teenagers who were heavily on drugs or psych- in psychosis or something like that. Apparently, he did really well at it. He had a really good record with, uh, um, not cure rate, but whatever, whatever you want to call it, remission rate. He, 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 he had good results with the people he worked with. But his other secret interest was in um, what he called and what other people call, I guess, alien writing, which is... Um, writing and messages and languages that people said they had either seen on a spaceship or during an abduction or channeled channeled from somewhere and um there's there's thousands and thousands of examples of this stuff and then i see the other day mac tony's at his site posthuman blues um mentioned this site it's called i think the new post literate uh, is the name of the site with the asemic writing and I was really struck by the similarity between something that people said they were making up as an art, mm-hmm. uh, in the per, you know for the purpose of art, and something that looks almost exactly the same. It, well, has the same characteristics that people say they saw when aliens showed it to them, or like I said, channeled it, channeled it, or something like that. Now, does that mean that all these people that said that aliens showed them stuff are making it up? I don't know. But what's interesting is the similarities, and if there is a message coming from outside people's minds, um, whether you think that or not, it has to go through their minds, their subconscious and their conscious mind, so they can draw it on a piece of paper or paint it or whatever. So, you know, the, the subconscious and the conscious is working on these levels in ways that we're probably not totally familiar with yet. Well, it's that old uh, gray area, that old chicken excluded or the, middle. Yeah, chicken <laughs> or the egg thing, too, you know. But, yeah, I think it's, uh, if you look at the, uh, the, the, the Asemics, it, they, they are what, 
is it considered a subset of modern and postmodern abstract art, or are they completely their own thing? Well, I don't know. Modern and postmodern. Modern art is considered, I think, up to around somewhere in the 1950s. Mm. I guess that's the modern period, and they they couldn't think of anything after modern art when they were doing art history. That's what my <laughs> that's what my de- my useful degree is in is in art history, but. Um, they couldn't think of any words, so they're like, well, it's after the modern period. Okay, it's postmodern. Yeah. And I guess that's what we're still in. But that includes any kind of art created after the 1950s, I would think, and that includes the systemic writing, which I don't know how long this post-literate site has been up, but um, I just heard about it, and I, I'm surprised I, it took the, me this long to hear about it, unless it's only been coined in the last couple of years. I looked it up on Wikipedia. I think there's a... Uh, a link to the uh, Wikipedia entry about what asemic writing is, but there's no date on it, I don't think. So it probably only came about as uh, having a word made up for it in the last, you know, maybe two or three years, unless I'm completely uncool and totally out of it and didn't hear about it. But, you know, until now, I hadn't heard of such a thing. And I'm sure if Mario Pozzolini uh, had heard of it, the, the psychologist, he would have said something about it to me uh, in our conversations. Yeah, well, the first I'd heard about it was last night when I looked at your right. your uh, post there. And, it, yeah, it is interesting because when people do claim these contacts with aliens or some other types of uh, occultic entities and they get these weird languages sort of sent to them, which it seems to be an, an, an unconscious thing happening there or it's happening to them or they're making it happen somehow unconsciously. And then you take an art form where these people are doing this consciously but maybe somehow trying to tap into their unconscious or something else and then it, yeah it, so it creates something that's almost the same yeah. and, and so who knows some of them might be tapping into something and they don't really even know it uh i think that trying to communicate on a non-verbal level uh in a in a symbolic way in a visual way um this is what artists have been trying to do since the beginning of time and this is just the latest iteration of it, or one of the latest ones. So it's, you know, there, like I said, there's, there's similarities, but it, the, the mistake, I think, to make would be, uh, like I said, uh, assigning whatever these alien writing people, witnesses are saying to something coming from totally inside their heads. Uh, it's, it, I, I think it's wrong to make that assumption right away, uh, because... I do think that in some cases there is some kind of signal coming from outside the consciousness consciousness of the person that claims this stuff in mm. in in a few cases and it, and and if not it's at least <laughs> exciting and interesting to think so you know we we play with models it's a lot more fun to play with models and theories than try to make a decision especially on something as strange as this or a lot of the things that we talk about yeah and it's uh, the uh the Asemics talk about this, uh, you mentioned in, in your uh, article there, as being sort of not pre-linguistic, but post-linguistic, but yet it shares yeah, it's similarities kind of to, to things that we think of as pre-linguistic. Yeah. When we're trying to communicate something by visually through f- from one person, one consciousness to another, how do we do that? Well, we're taught to do things a certain way. I mean, that's a, that's we grow up with this written language, but... What happened before written language? How did written language uh, d- 
develop and is that still somewhere in our in our brains somewhere is there some basic visual language uh that that people can work with this is what modern artists and postmodern artists have been doing for you know uh for probably what 80 years or so now (laughs) is trying to figure out if there's some kind of visual language that speaks to us in a different way than verbally than through the written word type of language or 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 or, uh, you know or hearing somebody um yeah what what is the basis of of emotional and uh, intellectual reaction to visual stimuli does that make sense yeah and the, the the writing the alien writing part or the systemic writing is interesting to me because on you know on one level it could be something that is important when you're looking at claims about ufo contact or alien contact or angels or whatever you want to call them um and on another level, it's uh, like the Islamic writing people are talking about. It's it's a creative act because every, all our perception, I think, and th- this is something that Robert Anton Wilson pointed out. All your perception is a creative act. You're comp- <laughs> you're continually creating what the, the the your perception, the world you live in, your reality tunnel, which wasn't that wasn't coined by Wilson. It was coined by Timothy Leary, actually. Yeah. Well, he he readily admits to borrowing a lot of things from Leary. Yeah. You know, but I don't know if that, we, we kind of always thought that was Wilson. Yeah, because we didn't, you know, I read Leary, but Leary is completely on another tangent, and Wilson, I think, latched onto that part of the tangent that, that he was interested in, which was psychology and um, mammalian politics, as he called it, uh, and uh, perception and uh and how people's you know personalities come to be, and how they create their reality, and what, how they react to people, and putting people in certain categories uh, with re- regards to how they feel about other people uh, in a hierarchy, and that's that's called the what was that called the uh, seven circuit model of of consciousness that uh, that Leary started, and then Wilson explained it in a slightly different way. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, we could go into it, but one, I don't remember all of it, and two, <laughs> I don't know if it's the scope of this program. <laughs> Look up Robert Anton Wilson or Timothy Leary in the Seventh Circuit model of uh, consciousness. Yeah, it, it is the scope of the program, but I, I'm not... Uh completely up on it at this moment either so maybe for a future program we could look into that and uh, sure. invite one of our other friends who uh you were trying to make a point and you brought it up twice and i didn't react to it but i can't remember what it was about the asemic writing well yeah there's a few things i, I wrote some notes here that I'm, I'm looking at last night because it, it really fascinated me because like i said i that was the first i had heard of it as well mm-hmm. and it ties into so many other things that you and i have talked about and other people on the show but um you know, I think that though language has allowed us to do these amazing things, it has also limited us because oh yeah, it, it it's not up to dealing with certain mysteries of existence. Oh yeah, and so in a certain sense, I think a post-linguistic reality such as Semics is trying to strive for right. might have some actual you know magical similarities to the pre-linguistic reality. Right. And and a dream language maybe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. You're yeah. you're right. Did you notice in in my post and I can't remember exactly what I said, but it was part of uh Mario's book. There was an example of alien writing in there and the guy that had drawn it out and it basically looks like shorthand. Yeah. Those squiggles there. Yeah, yeah, it's But very... he said that the the message contained in it several different aspects, not just 
you know, the, you know, the, the dog, you know, the dog ran under the house or something like that, where you think, oh, a dog ran under a house. But the thing is that in his little squiggles, he said that was communicated to him and the squiggles, whatever the writing was represented. And if maybe you could look it up, something like the internal state of the sender, the internal state of the intended recipient, um, uh, God, there were all these things that go on when you're communicating from one mind to another. Because when you say something to somebody, they're interpreting it as it comes in, and it may not be exactly what you meant. In mm-hmm. fact, most of the time it probably isn't. Um, and the person said that when he got this writing or message or whatever, it was precise to the point where it communicated something. It, it communicated what the intention was and and uh, took into account the psychology in the background and all the thing, all the personality of the receiver, so that the a message had the uh, had total um, accurate content down to emotional nuances and everything. <laughs> so and, it kind of know, bypassed the limitations of regular language. Right, right. That that was what the intention of the the message was. At least this is what yeah. the person that contacted the angel or the alien or whatever said. And then another person said that he had been given a symbol, and just by tracing out the symbol that that caused a consciousness consciousness change in the person that was drawing the symbol <laughs> which is which is an idea from occult magic yeah. actually yeah exactly you point that out there and uh, yeah and that is those of you listening that are at computers you, you can go there to ufo mystic and it's the uh asemic writing equals alien text question mark question mark <laughs> uh, and uh, there the um the graphics there that we're talking about, and you give you a better idea of this. This is Out the Rabbit Hole, KUCI and Irvine. I'm Robert Larson speaking with Greg Bishop, the blogger at UFO Mystic and the author of some awesome books. Uh, oh, thank you. <laughs> Weird California and uh, Paul, uh, the Paul Benowitz story that's called Project Beta, the story of Paul Benowitz, national security and the creation of a modern UFO myth. It's a long title, but it has a it has a yeah. ring to it. Has a yeah. Know. The funny thing is, sometimes on interviews they'll say the creation of the modern UFO myth, and I said <laughs> no, it's a a modern UFO myth. If you say the, it sounds like I'm taking all UFO, everything associated with UFOs, and lumping it into the myth category, which has a negative connotation for most people. Although not if you've read Keith Thompson, right, or <laughs> uh, or Carl Jung for that matter, or yeah, Joseph Campbell, blah blah blah. Yeah, all, all those guys. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, the, uh, I don't know, what you wrote there in that, that post uh, about the Asimic writing, it just made me think of so many things and made me think of our, <laughs> another one, like it. one of our influences, uh, Terrence McKenna, yeah. and so many things yeah. he talked about. One of the things he talked about was th- this idea that language, you know, when we talk or we use written language, it's, it's a crude form of telepathy. It's a way oh, yeah. of getting your the thoughts in your head into somebody else's head, but it's very crude. It's going through this this process, this these words and things that that sort oh, of yeah. English is very inexact language. Yeah, or really any language. Any language, yeah. yeah. Different languages have different nuances and and cultural uh, uh, backgrounds and and history behind them that allows the people in that culture to communicate as closely as possible. But yeah, like you said, it's 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 never that accurate. 
Yeah, so he talked about going from a language that is heard to a language that is beheld. And, and that's, you know, what you seem to be talking about with this, that th- these people have these experiences where it's just, it's just there. Everything's there. Yeah. The, the, the meaning, but all the nuances, all the things that are unstated, and it's just a thing that you, like great poets can sometimes pull this off to right, a right. slight degree. They'll say what cannot be said. Yeah, what's between the lines, you know, or what's not said says so much. And, the, you know, this beheld language is like a way to go even beyond that if that's possible right. but right. maybe we're not ready for it yet because we don't seem to be able to get yeah. the messages maybe the aliens or angels or whatever or own some conscious or whatever model you want to use it's pushing us towards that and these artists doing the asymic writing are doing the same thing mm-hmm. are, are making an attempt at it some of the examples on that page are incredible i mean i'd like to make wallpaper out of some of them <laughs> you'd probably you know you'd probably wake up one day wondering what you'd feel a little bit different and wonder what had happened because some of this stuff may be affecting you on a on a level that just you you don't really comprehend right away well the thing is is to not fully wake up to be in that that hypnagogic <laughs> state or hypnopompic i guess it would be and uh yeah maybe i use the wrong word in the I, I actually i'm always confused on which one is which but me too it's the in-between state and uh between waking and sleep right and that maybe in that state is where you could actually understand what is being communicated and you also brought up in that piece the um uh the voynich manuscript yeah which was another thing that uh, mckenna was really interested in and he uh yeah he hipped me to that years ago and i found it fascinating he was really into uh it because it seems to be this undecipherable puzzle and but he speculated that perhaps a template with holes in it some in in specific places needed to be put on top of this and then the the proper message would come through. Now that sounds a little simplistic to me, although he might have gotten that idea in a, during a uh, DMT or mushroom trip, and <laughs> it might be a key because, uh, you know, sometimes in an altered state, your mind is unhooked from just what we've been talking about, the, your, your everyday life and the normal modes of communication, and there's so many examples of people um, being able to... Uh, do work or come up with uh, thoughts or whatever that they couldn't in a normal state of mind. Uh, the The theory of the benzene molecule came to the, the, a, a German chemist, I think, in a, in a dream when he saw snakes eating their tails. Um, and uh, I think oh, one of the discoverers of of, uh, of the uh, DNA molecule said that he uh, he got the idea during an acid trip. <laughs> Francis Crick, I think, because he very cautiously talked about uh, more freedom for LSD research for most of his life, as well, especially after it was made illegal in the United States and Britain. Uh, yeah, and so I think it is that sometimes we have these, whether it be alien writing, Semitic writing, or something that just comes through that it, it seems to have meaning. It seems to be not just completely random gibberish but we even though it seems to have it we can't quite figure it out and it's just like what is it what does it take does it take a a specific altered state a hypnagogic or an lsd influence state and uh you know that that's will make a great plot for a movie (laughs) but but, you know that 
So when when you write it, send send Robert and I money. <laughs> but it's uh, yeah, it, it's fascinating because it's like you don't want to just throw it out because it just seems like uh, some people have, I guess, like the Voynich manuscript. They go, oh, nobody's figured that out. It's just nonsense. It's just a joke or whatever. But it still seems to fascinate people. In yeah, well, yeah. Look it up on the internet. V o y n i c h. It's named after one, the one of the. Uh, uh, people that was a manuscript dealer that sold it to Yale or wherever it is now or somebody in the 19th century. And it's uh, completely incomprehensible of the language in it. It's it's a language nobody's been able to figure out. It has no relationship to any language anybody knows about. It looks like it was done in Europe in the 15th or 16th century and nobody knows who wrote it. Um, but it appears to be some treatise on uh, the occult on plants uh, philosophy, something like that. The the uh, illustrations seem to indicate that, but the writing involved, the writing that's all around, and it's all hand done. I mean, it's just one copy. Um, the writing is uh, is a bunch of symbols which seem to be some sort of language, but the best uh, cryptologists and linguists and all that have not been able to figure it out yet. And that some of them have just given up and said, this is just gibberish and somebody made it up and it means nothing. Yeah. Um, but the enduring, you know, mystery of it is that it it has every indication of meaning something. Mm-hmm. Um, and w- when we talk about language, I, I remember um, when I was doing that interview with Dean Radin and we were talking about ESP and, and uh, precognition and all that. Uh, it took him a long time to explain things to me, like the illusion of time and causality and how we only think about it in that way because that's how we're raised and that's the uh, our perception and that's the world we live in and that's, as physical beings, we have to do that. Anyway, in spite of all of that, he said, um, trying to describe some of this stuff is like trying to hit a f- uh, kill a fly with a sledgehammer using, the, using language. Yeah, it, it, it's just so... It's not subtle enough. Yeah. It, yeah, and it's just so. I, I think this is so true of so many things about existence that are mysterious. Things like UFOs. It's just like when you just think of it in normal everyday terms, you always you, you never quite solve the mystery of, of what uh, really explains all this phenomena, yeah. and uh, or just consciousness itself. It just is like we we, we can't quite grasp it we can't quite you know describe what consciousness is we do the consciousness thing yeah but you know well there's also a you know i think some of our ideas about you know, what quote unquote consciousness is <laughs> another thing in quotes is um is is holding back evolution of ideas about what it could be and what we think about it and how we think about ourselves and how we process information. I think one of the ideas, I read an article, I think, in the Skeptical Inquirer, and I do read the Skeptical Inquirer once in a while. Um, I think it's good to do that. Um, mm-hmm. A couple of my friends ago, why do you read that skeptical stuff? It's like, <laughs> because I want to see if they have a point. Yeah. And one of the articles about consciousness said, um, consciousness is merely, what is it, um, memory encountering sensory data that's coming in the comparison between what's in your memory what's happened before and the sensory data that's coming in that's all that consciousness is right yeah but. and i found that very limiting yeah so why so what i said was that you know what that's why i said about a minute ago that 
I think the, the, the mainstream definition of what a consciousness is and who or what can have it is hampering us into, by, into you know, hampering us figuring out to go further with it, to go further with the definition and to find out why people have abduction experiences on DMT or why uh, they get strange messages and write them down that seem to have an internal consistency and talk about things they have no way, you know, write about things they have no way of knowing about, mm-hmm. which has happened once in a while. Right. And, and that brings me up to something that I also thought of, but when this asymic writing thing came into my consciousness via you <laughs> uh, that you know one time on a mushroom trip I saw the whole wall of my room light up with line after line of alien writing huh. I mean, and I call it alien writing because that's what it seemed like to me it you know wasn't any language or alphabet I was familiar with but it definitely had a cohesiveness and a, a seeming intent to it and uh, so what did you think of it at the time? At the time, I was just blown away. But, I mean, I was pretty heavily tripping, so yeah. you don't have the... That wasn't when we were out in the desert. No, no, this was another time. <laughs> but it, it was... Uh, I didn't have the presence of mind to try to copy any of it down. You know, to yeah, copy. Yeah, well, you don't, but the thing is, I bet if you came out of that and looked at it, you'd go, what the hell is this? Exactly. <laughs> but, you know, maybe you need to at least try. Did you get a feeling about what it might mean, or the import of it, or what was trying to be shown? No, there was no nothing like that other than that it was just like alien. It was yeah. alien, and it was intelligent. It, it was just, there was like a serious... Alien in- meaning not human, not, not somebody from another planet. Yeah. Could be from another planet. Could be. Could be from another dimension. Could be from my subconscious. I yeah. don't know. Just not alien, alien in the to sense... to your idea of how written communication should be. Yeah. It just had that, that weirdness to it, but it just seemed like there was this wisdom to it as well. Yeah. And yeah. it was just... Okay, here it is. Here it is. Um, I've never seen anything like that. <laughs> Lucky. <laughs> it was, it was a pretty weird night, and and it, and it, I remember it distinctly, glowing too. It it, yeah. it had a glow of. You didn't uh, even say that, and I for some reason, got the idea that it was glowing. Yeah, it was like a reddish orange glow. Oh, okay. And uh, yeah, but. Just, just fascinating. Another time on a mushroom trip, I took a pen uh, to paper and let my hand sort of, without conscious will, yeah. you know, drift over the page. And after coming down from the trip and then looking at it, the result was pretty in- interesting. It, it was abstract, but again, it, it had this alien cohesiveness and intent to it. Uh, that's all I can say. Yeah. And it just, like, that something that was conscious and aware was trying to communicate something to me. And whether that's just my subconscious or something apart from me, I don't know. Or your brain on drugs? Yeah, well, your brain on drugs does uh, interesting things. Yeah, well, yeah, a lot of people make the mistake of the nothing but school. That's nothing but your brain on drugs. And, uh, you know, that's why you and I are, like to listen to people like McKenna or Leary or Rick Strassman or... Um, Shulgin or anybody like that, it's they've decided that there's something important here. And I, I, you and I and a lot of people we know like that model. Let's explore the possibility that there's something important going on here during a quote-unquote trip. 
Right, and you, you tripping, man. <laughs> I mean, there, there's an example of the language being being negative right there. Right. Whenever somebody has a notion that everybody else agrees is absurd, it's like you tripping, you tripping, man. Yeah. <laughs> and so I mean, and, and I use the expression myself sometimes, you know. But it's like <laughs> <laughs> there I am, just uh, going against uh, what we're trying to accomplish here. No, but. Um, yeah, let's let's go to a little musical break here, and I got something queued up here, and then maybe we can go in another one of your songs, Greg, and then we'll okay. talk more about this. This is Out the Rabbit Hole, KUCI in Irvine. I'm Robert Larson, and Greg Bishop is in studio with me today. We'll be back in just a little bit here. The Abominable Snow Creature, that is by Mar- Marlon Wallace. Marlon Wallace. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that uh, dusty gem there, Greg. And sure. I'm getting okay. I'm getting a weird echo here. Hate when that happens. Um, it's just this. It's the strange board. Is that what it is? Yeah. It's a strange well, maybe. I mean, I you, come down to kill radio and try and use that board. Ugh. <laughs> it's uh. You've heard my show. There's feedback on every show. <laughs> <laughs> so that's killradio. Killradio.org uh, show is Radio Mysterioso O O O on Sunday nights from eight to ten p.m. Okay, Pacific. So, and you have uh, Radio Mysterioso dot com. Yeah, M I S T E R I O S O. And uh, also, you blog at uh, UFO Mystic. Yeah, UFO Mystic dot com, along with Nick Redfern. And then I have a music, weird music site called Music Not Music, okay. with uh, examples of weird, weird, uh, an outsider and uh, unsigned. I don't care if I'm ever signed type artist <laughs> music. Um, uh, uh, like Bob Omelet. Yeah, Robert Omelet was the first uh, thing I put up with a song called "I Am Just a Skeleton." Yeah, it's only Robert 40 Omelet, long. a dear friend, and no longer with us, but his music lives on. And, uh, yeah, and so, yeah, Greg Bishop in studio with me here on Out the Rabbit Hole, and, uh, you know, he's also the author of Weird California, your travel guide to California's local legends and best-kept secrets, and also uh, Project Beta, the story of Paul Benowitz's national security and the creation of a modern UFO myth. And uh, so we were talking about, I, I, don't, I hope you don't mind that we talked most of the show about the Asenic writing, because I just found no, it so fascinating. I and uh, I don't know if there was another point I wanted to make about that, but... Um, oh, we could go on for hours about yeah, it. It's y- just, it's a fascinating, you know, I, I, when I first saw that, I was just like, what? <laughs> How have I not heard of this? <laughs> I want to talk to these people. I want to buy pieces of Asenic art, you know. I have uh, alien writing that Mario himself said he channeled that he didn't really tell anybody about unless he's... St- after knowing for about two years, he started to admit to me that he did alien writing, too, because he didn't really tell anybody that, and I didn't tell anybody that he did until after he was gone. And he, he died of cancer in 90, on Thanksgiving Day of 1999. So Mario Pasolini, you uh, started researching him and interviewed him and then kind of got to know him, sort of become friends with him. Yeah, and, uh, and he was a psychologist, and when I was going through, you know... Uh, bad times at home or you know go, go, maybe going through a divorce or something like that I call and he give me he give me free counseling <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty awesome because that stuff can get expensive <laughs> i guess uh one point i we, you know when we were working on the magazine i i just thought i can't think of anything i can't think of any layouts i can't think of anything 
to uh, how to put the articles together, what to put in, anything to write. I don't know what to do anymore. And it, I told him this, and I said, I, I just can't get started. And he goes, well, then give yourself a little vacation. Just say, it's a, you know, just say oh, fine, I'm not going to do it then. And the, the funny thing is, the second he told me that, I was fine. <laughs> Somebody just, gave me permission to not worry about it. Yeah, yeah, that's all you needed, just to hear that. And that, that gets into this whole thing of... Sort of like magic. I mean, although this was based in probably sound psychological... Uh, well, magic is original psychology, I think. There you go. Western occult magic was the original, I think, self-help psychology. And so, yeah, sometimes it's just a word and just a... Or a symbol. What do you call it? A sigil? Sigil, yeah. Talk about sigils a little bit. Well, a sigil... Um, I think somebody that commented on the site had a different idea of what sigils are. A sigil um, was and still is, a symbol that you create yourself in the furtherance of some sort of magical working or or spell casting or whatever you want to call it. People have different ideas of what, what, what this magic is. We're talking about Western occult magic as practiced by the people in the Golden Dawn or uh, Crowley's uh, Order of Philema or anything like that. Um, whereby you're basically changing your own consciousness to become the most efficient and uh what's the word you you if you've got a purpose in life this helps you get out of your own way basically um and a sigil is is one of the methods of doing this whereby you create you have a desire you put the desire into the symbol which is uh can be made many different ways one way is to use all the letters in the uh, desire and uh, make a symbol out of the letters. That's actually my tattoo. Uh, the, the thing, my tattoo, the only tattoo I have is a sigil. Oh, yeah, I think you had told me that. And, and my and tattoo, I think, is a Semic. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to mention that. I didn't know if you wanted that on the air. Robert has the coolest tattoo I've ever seen. Well, no, that's, that's just another funny thing. When I started reading your article there, which brought up so many ideas in my head, and I'm going, oh, Am, and I, am I an Asemic and don't know it? Yeah. <laughs> but what you do with the sigil is once you get it uh, made, um, you put your desire, whatever that desire is, into that symbol, have it symbolize the desire, and then you're supposed to burn or forget about the sigil because that supposedly takes the desire away, which is what is getting in the way of you performing the actions it takes to have that desire come to fruition. Um, and if you have, if you have desire or want or desperation or whatever in, in, in a wish or in something that you want to do, that's once again, like we just said, getting in your way in a lot of ways for, for some, for a lot of people, some people it doesn't make any difference, but, um, it, once your emotions get, for example, if, if you, somebody wants to be successful at something and they keep thwarting themselves, mm-hmm subconsciously somehow they're always pulling pulling something to keep something from happening obviously there's some something in your your makeup that doesn't want you to to be successful whatever it is something in the subconscious yeah. yeah something in your subconscious that's keeping you from doing that so you know one of these methods in in occult western magic is to pull that out of the way mm -hmm. uh so that you can get out of your own way and, and continue on maybe you didn't want that thing and that's what you find out Mm -hmm. But at least you've got that out of the way. You're not fighting yourself. So creating a sigil would be a way to... Creating a sigil is supposedly... I mean, if you look at it from an exoteric, which is the, you know, 
outside looking in basic you know people not really into the into the uh, intricacies of western magic it's it's uh something that you you know a symbol that you can work magic with but basically what i think it is is a way to uh get rid of unwanted desire that's standing in, or any kind of psychological problem standing in the way of you getting to this wish or whatever you want at that at that time or maybe even an ultimate goal whatever it might be and the sigil on my shoulder is 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 part of that and i'm and people ask me what it is and i said can't tell you i've never told anyone because if i tell them it's going to screw it up yeah so that i've forgotten sometimes what it says which is good <laughs> that's funny because we both have our one tattoo on our right shoulders right and it, and you're left-handed and i'm right-handed so yeah so i don't know maybe i should have put mine on my left but hey, too late now and <laughs> but uh so yours is, is a sigil which has this uh, symbolic language yeah it's and, inside a dharma wheel too which is another thing yeah and mine is this totally abstract thing or seemingly abstract thing that it makes me think of the asemic or at least pre-linguistic archaic yeah. uh, uh ways of expression yeah. So uh, I think you should send it to that new post literate site. I think they'd be interested to see it if you take a picture of it. Oh, okay. There, there's a thought. So, but I, I think, yeah, mine is is uh, I don't know. It seems to be somehow connected with chaos, and that can be a good thing and a bad thing. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I need to. Yeah, uh, I wonder about people that are putting things on their chest like "Born to Lose" or whatever the hell they're putting on. <laughs> it. It's like, what are you trying to do? Are you are you trying to screw yourself for for the rest of your life? You know, or, or, you know, but the thing is, you never know why people have, uh, have some tattoos. Now we're off into tattoos, but, no, but, but, but no the problem. theme, yeah, the theme is, you know, uh, what, what are you, what, you know, what are you doing in your life to keep yourself from doing what you want to do? And that's what Western magic, occult magic is about doing what you want to do, getting out of your own way and being um, efficient about it, mm-hmm. getting to the point where it's, you think, oh, well, here's something I would like to do. And you just go and do it and get it done instead of going, should I do it this way or should I do it that way or why don't I do it next week or whatever. All these things that get in the way. And that, that, that to me is fascinating about sigils. And then, you know, it gets back to our original theme. It's um, the symbol is communicating something supposedly to your subconscious on a different level that you would not normally have control over uh, and trying to affect change in that way. And sigils, and, and your wife is named Sigrid, and uh, <laughs> there's any uh, meaning to that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, there's, uh, and I, I wanted to mention, I asked while we were off the air if Greg had seen the movie uh, Pi, P-I, Pi, Faith and Chaos, but you, you hadn't. And, uh, but I, I just want to throw that out there, because it seems to me to have some uh, relevance to the conversation we're having here today. And uh, this is just a great movie. I uh, highly recommend that. And you had some other things you had uh, on, blogged about recently, Greg, but we're just about out of time here. But I, I, I'm just happy we talked mostly about the Asemic writing. It, it's fascinating, and it's new to both of us, so that's great. And uh, this uh, Kyle will be up in about uh, five minutes with his show, Things That Are Square. It's always uh, great music here on KUCI. And, uh, Greg, what else do you want to tell us about? You want to give out those uh, websites again or mention a speaking event you might have coming up? Or Well, the only speaking events are not in California. One's in New Mexico in September. I get to fly out there on September 11th. Isn't that wonderful? Last three times I've been flown to somewhere, 
It's been out September 11th. <laughs> anyway, it's in September in New Mexico, in Angel Fire, New Mexico, the ASPE conference. I can't remember what that stands for. Uh, Nick Redfern's going to be there, and uh, Norio Hayakawa and a few other people. That's uh, s- September 12th and 13th. And then in um, November, but I can't remember the dates, I'm at the UFO Info Conference in Florida, uh, right near Cape Canaveral, where they're going to let us watch the liftoff of a space shuttle. Um, so anybody that's there can go out and see that. Um, the, the three sites I'm mainly working on, like Robert said, are ufomystic.com, which is uh, UFO and related information, um, music not music, which is strange music, and um, the other one is Radio Mysterioso, which is has archived podcast shows of my radio show that's on killradio.org on oh. Sunday nights. Okay, all great stuff, and, and also the books, uh, Project Beta and Weird California. And so, yeah, we're really out of time now. I'll remind you real quickly that the opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of the KUCI staff or management or the UC Board of Regents. And if you want to give me some feedback on the show, you can email me at rglarson at org. Greg, thanks for being with us today. Thanks for having me on again, Robert. Anytime. Okay, it was great, and it was fun. And so, yes, this is KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, also on the web at KUCI.org. I'm Robert Larson. I'll be talking to you next week. I'm going to leave you with some music from Los Dugans. It was supposed to be on the show a few weeks ago, but somebody got sick, and we're trying to reschedule that. But enjoy one of their songs for now until Kyle comes up.